What's up, everybody? This is Tyrone Harper, uh, your co-host for the night with Dakari Branch. We're on Without Boundaries, episode hey. two, episode two, season three. Um, yeah. Let's get it. Let's get it. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Uh, tonight's topic will be the uh, the Black Wall Street Tulsa Race Massacre of nineteen twenty one. But before we get to that, I just want to say thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, so far, last week's episode was a success, and uh, we appreciate everybody listening. Uh, before I guess, before we get started on this topic, I want to clear something up from last week. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I was messaged and said, "Hey, um, there was a part in last week's episode where I said I would wear a wig for Tyler Perry." Now, somebody had uh, messaged me and said, "Hey, you would wear a dress." Now, I have nothing against anybody who wants to do the dress thing or whatnot. Not but for me only, I, I would not. I would not do the dress. Uh, I'd rather just be uh, cast as you know somebody, a male. Uh, you know what I mean, like that. So I'm just. Not, I'm not. I'm not going to do that. So just to clear this up. Um, no, I would not wear a dress, but I would wear a wig. I mean, I've I've been on set before where they've shaved my face, and shaved my beard, and whatnot. So uh, yeah, I would not wear a dress. People. I, I uh, apologize for the mix-up. So let's uh, <laughs> just want to get that straight, put that out there right now. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, we're talking about the um, Black Wall Street tonight. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And it's for it to be Memorial Day weekend. Uh, this is like the anniversary of it. I think this is what, 80, 90 years? 90 yeah. years? 90 yeah, years. It was like 90 to 100, something around there. No, 1921. So yeah, this is the 90th year. Yeah, yeah. 90th year anniversary. Yeah, for sure. So. Uh yeah, this is a good topic. I think we can tackle tonight for sure. Yeah, definitely. It's a it's gonna really be a good topic because I feel like you know a lot of people a lot of people know about it, but you know they don't really know about it. You know if that makes sense. I feel like like um you know it's one of those things that kind of you know I don't even think it was mentioned in history books when we were growing up because I know when when I was in high school and even in a couple of college uh, history courses we haven't talked about anything like this before. You know, we kind of just talk about the, you know, even though it's very important, but the generic stuff of like, you know, Martin Luther King and, you know, the Montgomery uh, bu- was it, bus boycotts. And, um, you know, we, we barely even talked on Malcolm X. Um, right. If anything, any Malcolm X at all. But, um, you know, this is definitely something that wasn't really depicted in the history books, at least to my recollection growing up. I don't know if it was in yours, Tyrone, but. No, no, really. Uh, I, you know, doing my research, they said they really didn't start doing a big amount of research on it until, you know, 1996, I believe. So, mm-hmm. you know, so it's not, um, it's not something that has been really talked about. I was looking at some comments from people, uh, from a history teacher, I think. And mm-hmm. she said uh, she was going to talk about it in her class uh, coming up because she said it's not something that, you know, that, that is 
being talked about in the history a lot of the history books and she said uh she wanted to wanted to be known to her to her people like you know this is what happened you know what i mean yeah so so it's it's definitely something that has not i don't think has been just addressed enough um and i think a lot of that too has to do with um uh, I ain't trying to throw conspiracies out there, but I don't think it wants to be talked about because it puts shines a light on how our people thrive during, yeah. um, even even in the midst of adversity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and we want to, we, they don't want to be seen in the light of, oh, well, they're the ones that burnt down this, uh, <laughs> you know, burnt down this, this city too. Uh, is it really a conspiracy or did it actually happen? That's the better question we should ask ourselves. But I, I'll, I'll let that lay rest. I'll let that lay rest. Oh, no, no. It's not it, It's not no conspiracy. Well, well, yeah, no, I'm talking about the reason that it's not being talked about, you know. Oh, no, I, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you can, you yeah. can think about why <laughs> people, I mean, if it hasn't been talked about until recently, there's this, this a good reason for it, so. Uh, yeah. let me just lay that one. Let that one be, and let's talk about. Let's talk about it. So <laughs> just talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. like, you know, to give everyone honestly a, a brief descri- description of you know Black Wall Street. Uh, Black Wall Street was, um, basically one of the most thriving you know spots in Oklahoma back in was it nineteen twenty one, nineteen twenty around that time. Uh, it yeah. was late 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 teens, early twenties. Yeah, so it was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in the Greenwood District, and that was known as Black Wall Street. And it had pretty much very, very, uh, I'm not going to say too wealthy, but for our our people at the time, we were wealthy and well off. It was a thriving uh, town that basically was an accumulation, accumulation, I should say, of, you know, lawyers, doctors, um, business owners, school teachers, uh, regular citizens, you know, yeah, your average, you know, as as they would say today, your average American. And um basically it was a, a lot of black people in that area. It was only black people because, you know, at that time, you know, it was a lot of segregation going on, a lot of, you know, people couldn't go here and use these facilities and everything. So basically it was a self sustaining black society where they funneled not money into white owned businesses, but black owned businesses. And the end result was that was it was a very thriving part of Oklahoma back in that time. And it was yeah. considered, you know, at that time called Black Wall Street because it was the wealthiest part within the country. You know, right. when it comes to, you know, wealth and honestly just ownership and especially because it was black people at the forefront of it. Right. So, let you me, know, let me uh, backtrack on what you what you said there, too. Also, I wanted to, I wanted to just give a sidebar. So um, Oklahoma was became a state in 1907. Mm-hmm. The first deal they made for Oklahoma was to segregate the state. That was the first deal that they put just to segregate, was the first deal that was passed in Oklahoma after it became a state in 1907 was to segregate it. So they already wanted to create mess from that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, yeah, and so they had the, uh, and, and they had the, uh, you know, black people were working in the white towns um, and, like you said, they couldn't. They couldn't do anything. They couldn't. They couldn't buy anything from the white towns, but they could work for them. So, like you said, they decided to. You know, we need to do our own thing. They had no. They had no other choice because of supply and demand. They had to make it happen. So, yeah. but you keep going. I just want to throw that out there too, so people yeah. know that they, they wanted. They, they wanted. To, they wanted to. They wanted segregation from the beginning. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they they wanted that. Yeah, exactly. But mm-hmm. yeah, so like I mean, it was it was obviously clear that like you know. 
we we couldn't thrive in their in their world, you know. <laughs> so why not make our own world? And yeah. that was that was the case. And um, so on May thirty first, um, pretty much, which the backstory is, and I, I forget the the gentleman's exact, exact name, but I believe Big it was a, yeah. So it was a shoe shiner that apparently had, I believe, used a segregated bathroom, right? And came out of it, and um, you know, a white woman had saw it, screamed, and you know, basically, you everyone, you know, kind of know how the story's gonna play out. Basically, caused an uproar in that community, to where you know, a couple, you know, people who are working in town who are black, you know, stood up for the shoe shiner, and was like, you know, go ahead, back off, and basically trying to defend against the white mobsters. Well, coincidentally, the mobsters followed him back into what was that, you know. Black Wall Street back then. And so that's what led into them basically well, what he was what happened was you, you got to just well when I was researching, he had he was being a sheriff was he was what happened was they were in an elevator mm-hmm. when I was researching. They were in an elevator because he was going to use the bathroom, like you said. Yeah. Uh, there was a white lady by the name, I believe her name was Sarah Page. She was in the elevator. And mm-hmm. from what the alleged is that he accidentally tripped and fell into her, or they don't. You don't know exactly what happened, but once they opened the door to the elevator, he rushed out, and all you saw was her screaming. So yeah. they had held him at, um, I believe, a sheriff was guarding him, basically trying to protect him from the mob that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, there was a group of black men that were going to protect him. From at, um to help out where he was at, uh, being held at because they they realized there was a white mob going to come and get him, yeah. Um, and then the sheriff, um, you know, pushed him. I'm um, told him you don't have to, you know, have to do that. So he talked him into leaving. And so as they were leaving, they saw, uh, the white people saw that the black men were coming out, so they saw they were armed, and so they started getting armed even more. And so they were as then the uproar started happening again. So the black people came back. And then the sheriff told him to go away again. And then right when they left the second time is when they had a confrontation between them and the white mob. And that's where things got started. So that's, yeah. That, uh, yeah so I just wanted to throw that. Yeah. So basically that's what, uh, from what I, re- you know, from what happened. So yeah, but you yeah, pretty much got the same, same story. Yeah. And yeah. then if I remember correctly, um, and I'm, I might be wrong on this, I think after the mob had um, essentially followed them back to the town, that's when they basically start to basically loot and pillage that whole that whole mm-hmm. district. And I believe they even had planes that they flew basically damn near close to street level. And they were sitting there basically throwing like, you know, what was it? Molotov cocktails and shooting guns and stuff. Basically, oh, yeah, it was like light, lighting up the town. Yep, yeah. lighting up the town. Kerosene, all that stuff was coming out of the plane. Yep, lighting it up. And I think it was about what around three hundred people that had gotten killed within that uh was it that district's diameter? Yeah, this is between uh this is upwards towards three hundred yeah. Yeah, and yeah. people were getting you know, people were getting, you know, arrested and things of that nature, being held hostage, you know, things like that. So mm-hmm. and then around more more than one um one thousand two hundred homes and at least sixty businesses. And it says dozens of churches, schools, and hospitals, and a public library was also burned down or destroyed. And they said it was $1.4 million in damages claimed after the massacre or in today's money, 
$25 million. So as you can tell, that that's obviously was a pretty prominent piece of, you know, land and city, honestly, going on that we had in our control. And all this started basically off some hate that at that time was so was so pure and so so focused in that a whole mob came there not only with guns armed and just ready to you know catch all the smoke but they even had planes come there and basically do honestly what they do in warm is just bomb the whole place mm-hmm. which essentially was was catastrophic because i think it's considered the what greatest racial incident in american history to ever happen on american soil Right, because they uh because during that time I believe there were there were a lot of race massacres going on. I believe they said in around the late teens, like nineteen nineteen, nineteen twenty, uh there was other uh racial uh massacres going on throughout the country. But this is the one that took the cake basically and was the the, the, the largest one um that was going on at the time because the KKK was you know, was running rapid during that time. Mm-hmm. And they were doing, they were, you know, there's blood on the street everywhere in, in different parts of the country. Uh, but this one is the one that uh, was the largest one at that time. Yeah. That and I really just want to say that let's let's take a step back and like look at the situation as a whole real quick, right? So you have a prominent black, you know, community is thriving. You know, we talk about today, you know, investing in black owned businesses. I just want y'all to sit there and think about that. We. They back then, in those times, back in the 1920s, invested in black-owned businesses, establishment, and people, not with any intent of trying to, you know, can I get a deal here or can I get this free here or anything like that, but solely invested in black-owned businesses. And what was the outcome of that? A solely, if not the most thriving part of the nation during that time for black people. Mm. And that's what happens when you invest in black-owned businesses. So I just want everyone to kind of take a step back and look at during that time, we had so much wealth and so much, so much going for us. Honestly, it was like it was like a safe haven, obviously, into the massacre for black people. Like it was just business as normal. People, you know, walked sidewalks, you know, shop. They had jewelry stores, you know, had their own, you know, bars, their own places where they could go dance, have live music, and everything. It was literally a utopia for black people. And that just goes to show that when you invest in your own culture, you invest in your own people. That uh, honestly, the fruits are the fruits are way greater than sitting there trying to outsource it. You know, so I just want everyone to kind of take a step back and look at that. To when nowadays, I, I see a lot of people now heavily, you know, invest in black owned business and invest in black owned people, and which you know some people do to an extent, but I feel like a lot of people nowadays really don't invest in their you know their brother or sister. You know. And when I say brother and sister, yeah, they look for a handout in which we shouldn't do that in today's day and age because a handout, that's like, say, for instance, if I was to cheat in school, I could cheat in school and someone could give me the answers, but am I really going to know the information when the time comes to whatever career I'm trying to do? No, I'm not. So if I was Mm -hmm. to sit there and look for a handout with a business or anything, am I really doing anything for that benefit to, to that business that I'm really trying to support? No, I'm sitting there crippling it because at the end of the day, I'm sitting there scalping up the profits that they sit. They spend their hard work, their hard-earned time and everything, and I'm basically, you know, for at a fraction of what they spent their energy, time, and money on, getting a deal on it, and that's not fair. So exactly. I just want everyone to kind of take take the moment to really look at that for what it really is, because I think that's a really big lesson that we could take away from something so so negative, that that's something we could take away that us as Black people need to sit there and start to build back on. Yeah, and a lot of times we, we try to, and not just the handouts, we look for 
uh, discounts based off the fact that that's they're a black owned business. So we a lot of times I hear I hear all the time, come on, brother, brother out. You know what I'm saying? We, we brothers like in a way, you know what I'm saying? Like that, like no mm-hmm. man. Just you know, we're doing we're doing our thing just by you know trying to do something for the people, like you know giving back to the people. And you know this is a black owned business. Like you should be just this would be awesome just to have somebody we own it. We have ownership, you know yeah. what I mean. So uh-huh. you don't take advantage of the fact that we are doing our own thing and be, being um doing what we should be doing and and doing our own thing and just, you know, trying to get your own, getting by on your own way, trying to get your own handouts and stuff like that. No, 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 no. Don't you take advantage of the fact that we are doing what we should be doing. Don't, don't take advantage of that. You should be all, you should be supporting that, not trying to take advantage. Definitely, man. Cause it's nothing, it's nothing positive of sitting there trying to take advantage of your fellow man. Cause at the end of the day, it's going to come back to bite you anyways. Mm-hmm. So ain't no point to really take advantage of it. But um, you know, back back to the topic at hand, though, I, I kind of want to even talk about it to the point of now. I believe it was it's three survivors, right? It's three survivors to this day still living from the Tulsa massacre, and they okay. talked before. Um, I believe what was it the the House or the Senate? It was one of those two. Uh, yeah, I, I believe. Let me. I didn't. I didn't take a good look at it, but yeah, I I, I get what you I get what you're saying. Yeah, so I believe they talk, they talked in front of either the House or the Senate. I forget. Or maybe, hold on. No, no, no. It's the House Jew Judiciary Subcommittee on the Constitution of Civil Rights and Civil Liberties. That's who they talked mm-hmm. in front of. Mm-hmm. And it was um, on May 19th where three survivors from the massacre had talked um, and called on Congress to issue reparations to the living survivors and descendants to rectify basically the whole massacre itself and what it did to the people of it and the products of it and everything. In which, you know, sidebar, I'm all for reparations, but I feel like reparations aren't enough nowadays. I feel like just because you ask for money, well, not we're not asking for money, but I feel like money can't solve every issue in this world, first and foremost. And I feel like for years, and especially like a lot of death this has, you know, honestly been bestowed upon the black community, I feel like reparations aren't enough to sit there and change the healing. Like you can give somebody, you know, a million dollars. I can go, you know, sit there, someone murder someone and I give them a million dollars. And, you know, just cause they murdered my friend or something like that, it's all good now. Cause you know, they, they got a million dollars, whatever the case may be. I don't think that's the proper way to go about things. Cause you're putting a price on a life. You can't mm-hmm. put a price on a life. And so I feel like when it comes to reparations, yes, it's good to have money and it's good to have those things to invest back in our community and for, you know, those people to be well off. Like, you know, for instance, when it comes to, you know, people who get murdered by the cops, you know, black people specifically, you know, and the city pays them a couple million in reparations or pays them a couple million dollars in settlement money for the case and everything. Yeah, that's good and everything, but you can't you can't get that life back. You can't sit there and, you know, get that person back. So I feel like when it comes to reparations, it needs to be more under that term of reparations. It needs to be some form of systematic change or some form of rule set being implemented or something something more deeper than just a, a, a dollar sign, you know? Yeah, so we don't have to keep going through that same cycle over and over again. Yeah. I just realized it's, this is the 100th anniversary. My fault. Yeah, this is the 100th anniversary. Wow. Time is fine, man. Yeah, Time but yeah. Fine. Yeah, but I would just... uh. Just to backtrack on what you said, just yeah, we we don't need the same, uh, you know, just money and sweep it under the rug, uh, and that's the reason why 
you know, what they do is they give you money and they sweep it under the rug. And then these cops, the same cops that killed that person is still roaming free and they still get to do what they want to do and uh, still having their jobs and getting away with it. You know, mm-hmm. I guess the, 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 the holy dollars is, is, is what's, what's uh, keeping everything the same and sweeping it. It's all about the dollar at the end of the day. So, yeah. So it's just it's it's not it's not a good thing to uh, keep going like like you said we need we need laws in place uh, to this day um, not just back then uh, that we need laws to get these things not not just to rep, you know reparations and money now that's a good start don't get me wrong mm-hmm. but if you want to talk about reparations then every one of our families need reparations <laughs> yeah so. every black American <laughs> in this country need reparations <laughs> yeah because we've all come. Uh, from the slaves, <laughs> so yeah, if you we gonna we gonna, we gonna bankrupt the nation. <laughs> yeah, we gonna really bankrupt the nation. You thought the nation was already in debt? Oh boy! Yeah, 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 start, yeah. Y'all talking about a stimmy thing about a reparation check coming your way? Yeah, and all that. Oh, they'll they'll make that twenty dollars just so they can get that tax it out everything. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. I'm sorry. Keep going. I oh, know you're good, man. You're good. But to, um, to read an excerpt from uh, NBC News from um, the 170-year-old survivor, Viola Fletcher, from the Tulsa Massacre, this is what she had to say on the, the whole matter of her experience as a little girl uh, during the massacre. She said, and I quote, I had everything a child could need. Viola Fletcher, 170-year-old, uh, told the committee, the night of the massacre, I was awakened by my family, my parents, my five siblings, and I. Um, I was told we had to leave and that was it. I will never forget the violence of that hate mob when we left our home. I still see black men being shot, black bodies lying on the street. I still smell smoke and see fog. I still see black businesses being burned. I still hear airplanes flying overhead. I hear the screams. I live through the massacre every day. Our country may forget this history, but I cannot. And so I just want to sit there and talk about she's 107 years old. Her, you know, she was a little girl when all this happened. You know, she talked about her, you know, family, you know, her siblings and her parents. Now, she was a little girl when this happened, and she's 107 years old, and it still to this day haunts her. So let's just take a minute to talk about the mental trauma on black people when it comes to stuff like this. You know, let's take a minute mm-hmm. to sit there and talk about the mental psyche that is such a, such a fragile thing of the human nature, such a very, you know, fragile aspect of our, you know, very existence that needs to be taken care of. And mm-hmm. let's just talk about the impact of like stuff like this on the mentality of not not just normal people, but like, you know, black people, you know, what mm-hmm. type of what type of and I'm going to ask you this question, Tyrone, mm-hmm. you know, what what can be done for the mental trauma that has been bestowed upon Miss Viola Fletcher or anyone who's still you know surviving from the massacre or anyone who has encountered any type of great injustice when it comes to racism and you know, basically receiving hate because they're, you know, color of their skin. Well, well, how do you, how do you deal with that mental trauma? Well, it starts with us because a lot of times when it comes to mental trauma of any type, uh, what a lot of us are taught, uh, especially from the male perspective, I'm going to go coming from a male's perspective. When mm-hmm. you, uh, when something happens to you, even as a kid, uh, you know, you you hear the saying, you know, stop. You know, you, you break down crying or something like that. You hear the saying, you know, stop crying. Big boys don't cry. Mm-hmm. So, so we suck it in, and we say big, and not knowing the mental state that it, that we carry from stuff like that. 
and 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 but just from her perspective, uh, that is a, on a whole nother level. Uh, you you have to we have to first want to seek help for the for the for number one. Uh, you know and that's the that's the first step of doing things, and a lot of times we don't look for that help because yeah. you know because we don't in the black community too. I think a lot of us you know kind of look down on getting help. Absolutely, because it, it, it's a sign of weakness in a lot of people's eyes, in a lot mm-hmm. of people's hands, eyes. I mean, and but from you know, I've talked to people who go to ter- therapy, and it was like, man, it's it's such a weight that's taken off your shoulders just by talking about it. Not yeah. necessarily about getting the answers; it's a lot of weight just getting it off your off your shoulders because you're carrying it for so long. Mm-hmm. Uh, people carry carry trauma from you know getting molested and getting raped and things of that nature. They keep that stuff in. And it's like, well, I, you know, and and people don't know about these things. But then you talk to a therapist, you talk to a counselor, you can talk to a pastor. There's people that are, you know, in those roles, and it just doesn't even. You don't even have to get an answer. A lot of times, a lot of times, you should feel better by just getting off your chest. And, mm-hmm. and it's and it's something that needs to. Uh, we need to stop uh, making it a making it a big deal. Like we're at some parks, if we don't get help, uh, or it's like you're you're. You're a wuss, or you're you know you're weak for doing that. No, no, no. You're you're trying to better yourself and get in and and uh, and try to move on from certain things, even though it's going to take time. Is even even with the help, you still need to. Uh, a lot of times, people still have these, uh, still need help from those things. Like even if, you know people who are in the army and stuff like that, they have those traumatic moments in the army, and they wake up and stuff like that from you know people you know dying. Uh, PTSD. PTSD. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's pretty much what I'm pretty sure that's pretty much what these people uh, from Tulsa have had. You know what I mean? They have to Mm -hmm. keep waking up from those from those traumatic experiences, uh, you know, even to this day. So it it first starts with us. And then uh, it's just a it's a it's a process that's it's going to take time. uh, But you first we have to. First, we have to make the step first, and then and then it'll it'll, it'll take time, but it'll, it'll get easier, I believe. From there, once once you start getting the help, and once you start talking about it, once you start talking to, talking to at people who help, don't tell everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't tell everybody because everybody's not on yeah, everybody, in your corner. Yeah, in your Every, corner. Everybody's not. Everybody's not in your corner, and everybody's not gonna give you the right advice because uh, people have motives too, but. That's that's a story for another day. I'm gonna try to stick on the subject, but yeah, yeah. they just need to, they just need to find um, they need to find help from respectable sources and res- and people who have degrees and people they can trust in those certain and psychologists psychologists and things of that nature. So yeah, yeah, that, that's what, uh, that's what they need. And uh, once they get that, it, it's it's a step a step in the right direction. So yeah, I hope. Uh... Miss Fletcher, you know, I hope that she, you know, definitely, you know, got to speak on it to to someone to try to get that weight off her shoulders. And I know that's nothing easy to come up. It's not, it's not easy. It's not easy, and it's never going to be easy to start off with. Mm-hmm. And you know, to experience a you know such a traumatic event at such a young age too, and for that to be kind of scarred on your life too. Mind you, this this is someone who's still alive. This only happened about a hundred years ago, mm. and th- this is something that's you know someone who was experiencing you know all the trauma and all the catastrophe of during that time period is still allowed today to sit there and talk about it with us too so don't think these times are so far gone too 
don't think that these oh, yeah. you know times are behind us too because you know we still have you know people from you know not only from our side still alive but people for who even committed those crimes back in the day who actually burned down that uh you know that 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 whole establishment who burned down the community of black people we still have those people still alive today too on the other end of the spectrum so don't think mm-hmm. that you know this is just you know when it comes to you know race and it comes to you know issues uh, regarding that and trying to fight for equal rights for black people don't think that these that these times are so far gone because you know it was only you know was it about 50 years ago 50 40 years ago that we're um you know we were you know coming out the 1950s where it was still a whole bunch of uh, jim crow going on right right exactly so, I mean, think about all the uh the, you know like you were talking about with the people who burned down their state. thinking about think about their children their children's children the knowledge they passed down and you know you, you can all, almost you know be positive that they 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 raised, uh, they put them in hatred. They, they raised, um, they, you know, they raised them in hatred yep, towards, towards us. So, so is you know, you, you know, hopefully, you know, the children and the children's children um, have kind of stopped that cycle in their families. But you know, you can only imagine, you know, that's 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 where that's where the racism still resides is because you got people who um, are still being taught ways by their ancestors. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. So just to really honestly put that in perspective, like this, this stuff is still relevant. You know, like mm-hmm. you know, recently, you know, have you? I know um, a lot. A lot of us have always seen around Martin Luther King Day, but have you seen those pictures of Dr. King uh, around Martin Luther King Day, or just honestly any like um, civil rights, you know, leader, or you know, back during those times? Have you ever seen any of those photos, Tyrone? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, during the Martin Luther King time, yeah, yeah. yeah and what uh, was the? Day. What is a common thing you see throughout those photos? Uh, us together, if that's what you're, if you're implying. Us together, um, I, you know, t- t- um, you know, him motivational. Like if I'm watching videos and stuff like that, it's either him preaching or us marching together, mm-hmm. or things of that nature. Uh, every once in a while, you'll see uh, some, you know, white people with them as well. But it's mainly black people sticking together, marching. Uh, Okay. Um, as one, as one, we're we're like together as one. So, yeah. Okay, okay, that, that's pretty good observations. I'm I'm going more of an aesthetic of the photo. What do you notice about the photo? Mm, uh, and, and, you, and the way you answer it is gonna is gonna prove the point I'm about to make. Hmm. That's we okay. Uh black and white I don't, I don't, there I'm you go kidding. black and white right black, yeah. black and white mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. all right so let's go ahead and um you know put this put this into a little bit more perspective so a lot of photos back during those times and you know let, let let's actually do well i have my computer up in front of me let's see when did color photography start let's let's do that Okay, mm-hmm. that that's even better. So, color photography started in the 1890s, right? So that's when uh-huh. you can see black, white, red, yellow, blue, any of those colors on the color spectrum you can see. It started back in the 1890s. Now, uh-huh. I don't know if you guys notice or not, but during those photos, and if you look to the equivalent of photos of, you know, people back who have a white descent, 
there are color photos of them back in those days because we see back in the 1950s, 70s, and 80s and all that stuff, you know, 60s, 40s, however however far you want to go because, like I said, it was made in the 1890s. But if you ever notice that when it's depicted of a white family or people who are white back in that time, you always see what? You always see, like, the, the I always see, like, the Jimmy Neutron mom-looking hairstyle, right? You always see mm-hmm. something like that, and you see them in a nice, colorful dress, and you see the bright, you know, red or yellow car and, you know, the, the houses and the, and the green fences and stuff like that. Like, you know, you see a lot of that, right? Mm-hmm. But every time you look at a photo of, you know, someone who's black or a civil rights leader or activist or a time period in history where it involved black people, it's always in black and white. And why do you think it's in black and white? Because they they're, they want to... It's, it's all about perception. Yes. So we talked about this last episode. It's all about perception at the end of the day. If you sit mm-hmm. there and you put something in black and white so much that you're honestly going to be like, well, hmm, black and white, they must have had not had any color. So that must have been hundreds and hundreds of years ago. So it must have been a long time ago. Why? Because they put that stuff in our photos in black and white because they want us to forget how close and how relevant all this stuff was. You know, it was only a couple of years ago, honestly, you know, a couple of decades ago when Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, you know, Muhammad Ali, all these, you know, very righteous and civil rights leaders were all alive, still fighting a good fight. Mm-hmm. But they put those pictures of those leaders in black and white to this day. It's only until recently where all these photos started coming up of, them, of it being in color. But mm-hmm. intentionally, it's shown in textbooks that they're in black and white because they're trying to make your mindset and I'm talking to black people right now. They're trying to make our mindsets go back to the thought of, oh, this happened so long ago. Like you know, 1800s. It, yeah, it's 1800s. <laughs> oh, this happened so long ago. They didn't have color back then. So it had to be such a such a long time ago. That, when, when did this even happen? You know, historically, black and white, from all of our perspective, historically, black and white makes us all think that something is very old. You know, it makes us think something is outdated. It makes us think something isn't, you know, adequate, modern, whatever the term you want to use. But if you mm-hmm. notice on the other end of the spectrum, it's always in color. You know, back in the you know wartime days of World War One and Two, I don't know if you guys. I used to be a big history buff, and they used to have you know back when it was rolling pictures and stuff. They used to have that stuff in black and white, but it also used used to have all those movies and you know photos and stuff in color too. And I've seen a whole bunch of war videos and war photos of where it was all in color. Now yeah. during those same exact times, that's when all the stuff was going on with the civil rights within the country. But why all those photos in black and white? So I just wanted to sit there and bring that point to everyone who hasn't thought about it yet, to everyone who hasn't noticed it, to the point of, you know, why is that? And I think it's because they're trying to sit there and, like I said, America is a big game of perception. It's a big marketing game. Mm -hmm. So if you sit there and you make one, one population who's been mistreated, misguided, and honestly, you know, probably is one of the most powerful groups of people on the earth, but you don't want them to know that. You're going to sit there and persuade them and make their perception be so distorted that they're not going to even realize that. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to bring that motion to the point because, honestly, if we don't realize how close this was, we're going to always forget. You know, yeah. a lot of people don't know about, you know, stuff that went on back in those days. A lot of people don't, surprisingly, a lot of people don't know about who Martin Luther King is, Malcolm X is, um, Rosa Parks, um, um, W.E.B. Du Bois, you know, a lot of people don't know who those people are, you know. Right. So, if you really think about it, it's trying to, in, in the subliminal form of fashion, trying to take that that notion of where we were once as a community and push it out of our minds, right? It's almost like what I told you last week 
you know, we haven't had the same rights only up until I think it was 1965. Mm-hmm. So you got to think about it too. Some of our parents and grandparents are still alive and it can, it can tell you stories of, you know, segregation and, you know, white, you know, white only places and, you know, you know, segregated schools and things of that nature. Uh, that stuff was, you know, people alive can still attest to that. And so you, not only do you have that, you have people with old ways and old thoughts are still there. That's the reason why we're still, dealing with some of the same stuff we're dealing with today in the court system, in the, in the police department, in, in, in the homes is because of perception and what people are being taught and people are so used to having a certain way of doing things and a certain uh, way of life and they don't want things to change. But I, 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 do, uh, I do commend this generation that's coming up that uh, of Black people and, and of different cultures who are Saying you said no, this is not the right way of doing things. This is the right way of doing things, mm-hmm. and they're and they're and they're and if you're not going to change them, we will change them for you, or we will put it in your we will we will be in your face telling you to change it, or we will you know we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna keep we're not gonna shut up. That, that that's that's the the good way of saying that we're not gonna shut up and we're not gonna not be heard. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is a which which is a good thing. Uh, yeah, because like you said, this perception and I didn't. I didn't even know that. Uh, I, I learned something new from you saying 1890s. I was shocked when you said that. I was like, "Wow, 1890s." I'm thinking more like 1950s or something like that. Yeah, but, yeah. so they want you to think. And that's what exactly yeah, what they want you to think. Exactly. I remember. I remember watching some of these uh, black and white shows and women of color. Um, they had these color shows, but I never, like you said, I never really saw any black shows or black photographies until just recently of stuff from back then. Because, like you said, they want they want us to uh, have a perception of us uh, in this perception of things going in a certain way. Yeah, wow, I know that. That's yeah, awesome. so that's 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 definitely something to pick up on. Because, like I said, I feel like that the way the things is like you know, let, let's take a, let's take a step back further from what we're even talking about. So we're talking about Black Wall Street, right? Mm-hmm. That was barely taught. Well, I'm not even gonna say it, it wasn't taught in any textbook. It wasn't taught. No, yeah, it, wasn't. it wasn't. It wasn't taught in any mm-hmm. textbooks, right? But that's something that if we didn't have survivors like, you know, the people who came before the House Committee, like Miss Fletcher, who came up and just you know gave their excerpts about what happened in that time, and honestly, you know, people who you know still you know value the truth and honesty of history, and you know recorded that you know that horrific time. You know, if we didn't sit there and we didn't dig out our own information, we wouldn't have even known it happened. We wouldn't even so know I, that. So, so I just looked because I was because I heard something about it. Uh, the there was a paper, mm-hmm. uh, the Tulsa Tribune, uh, that talked about it. It was an editorial about the lynching of uh, them trying to lynch Roland, uh, uh, titled "To Lynch Negro Tonight." Um, now that paper uh, was um, was apparently. Um, all the original copies of that issue of the paper had apparently been destroyed. Mm-hmm. So they, so somebody they didn't want to, uh, they didn't want it to be known. You know what I mean? Of the of of them trying to to kill this young man and things and what happened back then. There was evidently they were writing about it, but it, all the all the, all the papers were destroyed. Now, why do you think that? <laughs> yeah, but let, let's get into the bigger picture. Here. Why? Why? Why does all this happen? Why? Why are you know things getting destroyed? Why is history getting whitewashed? Why is it pressed? 
full auto, full load. They got a whole cup of Tide in there. Why is it getting whitewashed with all the linens, huh? Why? Why is that? Let's think mm-hmm. about that for the full perspective. It is because if you really think about it, how it, you know we talked about it last podcast. You know, a lot of things derives from Black culture, right? If a culture is so strong to the point where we, I mean, let's think about it. You know, we affect music because newsflash to all those people who love Elvis. Guess what Elvis got his music from? Black people. He stole it from black people. You know, that I I forget who exactly he stole it from, but rock and roll, he wasn't the king of rock and roll originally. It was a black man. You know, I know a lot of people want to debate that, but go look it up. But (laughs) look. They got, our, they got our music from us. Blues originated from Black Man. They took that from us, too. We still somewhat have a strong foot in that, but... Yeah, I, don't, I, don't think, yeah, I don't think they have blues. I don't yeah, know. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I just seen some crazy blues singers. They won't black. But, um, oh, Lord. But, um, <laughs> you know. But, um, <laughs> you, know, you know, they take our clothes. You know, the way that we dress nowadays, it, it's... it's it's a lot of people on the other end of the spectrum who try to dress like us. Now, mm-hmm. you know, we have our own certain style and everything, but now it's starting to get accepted on their end. As it was seen as us as being a professional, looking unkept and looking like a thug and everything to them. Now it just seems like a, a, a fashion statement. Oh, don't get me started on the dread thing. People, oh, people. yeah. Uh, yeah. Some hair, some hair just physi- physiologically isn't meant to be dreaded. Mm, for specific uh, reasons, that's I'll just leave that mic right there. Whoever want to pick up the mic we, right there, man. Was, we had. I remember I was in college over a decade ago, and uh, people, you know, they were saying how you know dreads weren't a good. Thankfully, now it's somewhat changed, but I, it was mm-hmm. a big topic when I was in college, and a lot of my student, a lot of my classmates, uh, were saying I'm not cutting my dreads, and I'm glad they did say that. You know, they said I'm not cutting my dreads for anybody. Uh, because that's you know you know a lot of that stuff is part of their, their heritage. Yeah. It's, it's history behind that, that stuff, man. People yeah. need to do their research on that stuff, and it, and it's uh, I'm I'm glad they are it's being more accepting now than it was back then. Definitely, like it's the same thing with braids. Like braids are seen as unprofessional and you know very you know you know like oh that's that's what we don't want in the workplace. But I, I bet a lot of people didn't know that back in the times of slavery, especially during the times of the the Underground Railroad, braids were used as a map to sit there and guide slaves to, you know, points of freedom. Mm-hmm. Like, instead of sitting there having a drawn-out map, you we literally braided mm-hmm. our hair in the map to sit there and guide us to freedom. So, mm-hmm. like, even stuff like that is it's history and it's culture behind it. You know, mm-hmm. so, like, you know, back to what I was saying, you know, they, they take our, you know, that's another thing. They take our hairstyles, you know, mm-hmm. they take our hairstyles, they take our clothes, they take our music, they take, um, you know, just our overall essence and culture. They take our food. I've seen a whole bunch of soul food restaurants that won't mom and pop. It, it, it won't, you know, Miss Doretha and Mr. Franklin from down the street. It, it was Bill and Mary. You know, I, you know I, I don't know where that came from, but they even take our food, too. And it's just the uh... point of if you sit there and you whitewash so much stuff and you try to take, we're the only culture that doesn't have a true history and identity of itself. Mm-hmm. And if they you try really... to bunch it all up in 28 days. Exactly. And and here's the thing, too. I think, and this is my honest opinion, it's good that we have those 28 days, but I think that 28 days is honestly a diversion from the whole point of us not even really have that point of history. Like, you mm-hmm. think about it, right? You know, people from the, you know, Asian community, they have their culture of, you know, going through different points of imperialistic times, depending on, you know, which civilization they were from or you know, you know, they actually have an archive of their history. You know, same thing with people who are from, you know, must like say, you know, Europe. 
or you know people who are from like Russia or even people who are from you know the the Latino community you know they have history of the the Maya the Incas the Aztecs you know all those civilizations within you know that history down there in South America but when it comes to black people all people think of Africa you know Africa mm-hmm. that's what you know people don't know the history though people don't know exactly where we came from you know we know mm-hmm. where we originated from but it's like we don't have the stories we don't have the details as other cultures and it's mm-hmm. like I think that they think they they I think they know that we're so powerful that we affect every reach of this world. Every reach of this world is, like I said, produced by us. Not even mm-hmm. from the way of life and the way of living, but even to the things that we use every day. Like I like I said last podcast, we we created many inventions within this world. Many mm-hmm. inventions. A you lot of look- shows, a lot of shows nowadays are derived from black things, black lives, black people. Mm-hmm. A lot of things have came from the almighty black mind. But they don't want us to know that. They don't want us to think that we're this almighty and powerful because they know. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I had made this reference at some point. Uh, I believe I was talking to Jimmy being one of my co-hosts, you know, who, like I said, you know, shot down. He's in nursing school. But, um, you know, I was talking to him on a private matter. I was like, you know, have you ever seen a movie? I asked him, have you ever seen a movie, uh, you know, Planet of the Apes? You know, and I was referring to the point of when. And what you can ju- you can derive a lot of symbolism from that movie. So I'm not talking about the first one with James Franco. That was a pretty good movie. But I'm not, I'm not talking about the first one with James Franco. I'm talking about mm-hmm. the one where I forget what it is. You might know it, Tyrone. It's a, I think it's Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, the second one. The one with Woody Harrelson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe yeah. it's that one. So, I believe it is now. So as you know, white people, you know, used to call us and still call us. They, you know, they called us monkeys, right? So mm-hmm. as Planet of the Apes being, you know, the monkeys were representative of the black people. And I'm not saying it because that's what we were called back in the day, because I, I don't take pride in taking of that it term. Was, it, was, it was symbolism in which you're... It was you're, symbolism in, in their struggle and, you know, what they were going through. So black people had, you know, first off, the apes were put into captivity. They were taken and they broke in. For, I'm giving this name. For anyone who hasn't seen a movie, sorry, spoiler alert, turn off the podcast now. But, um... <laughs> yeah, turn another the they're good movies though. Yeah, they're, movies, they're great movies. I love them. Mm-hmm. But the first movie was about you know the apes being taken into captivity, being experimented on. I.e., that's what black people have been you know going through. But taken mm-hmm. to captivity, experimented on, and ultimately they broke free, wanted their freedom, and they went to go live freely on their own. Sounds very mm-hmm. similar, right? Mm-hmm. Fast forward to the second movie, the apes are living in their own community. They're not being bothered. They're honestly having a very thriving community. Mm, until, I see what you're this. Yeah, mm. until honestly, you know, comes a rogue soldier. Now, by this point, the planet's already taken over by a virus. And, you know, this is a side plot of the movie, guys. So th- this doesn't have anything to relate to what's going on. But the, the planet's basically down bad because of some virus that humans created. Well, actually, that could be pretty relevant to the day. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, some right. that uh, humans created. That, I um, might go back and watch these movies. Yeah, I forgot how good they were. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, basically, but the apes weren't affected, but some of the humans were. So there's a small pocket of humans that actually survived as a resistance. And they were an American militia that were fighting, they were fighting against, you know, another American militia. And uh, Woody Harrelson, you know, shot them. He's a very good actor. I'm a big Woody Harrelson fan. Um, love zombie movie and everything. Um, but he was basically, you know, the white man being played in the movie. And he came and stumbled upon the apes. And, you know, granted, 
the virus had taken out everyone on Earth except for the apes. So this is already widely known at this point. Woody Harrelson stumbles upon, you know, a patrol group of apes just going out about their day doing their business, and he captures them. And mm-hmm. then when he captures them, he forces them into doing slave labor. Sounds very reminiscent. I'm not gonna mm-hmm. lie. But so Caesar <laughs> finds out about this. Caesar's like, oh no, nah, I gotta go get my peoples back. Goes there to fight Woody Harrelson. He tells the apes, and I will never forget this line because this can be very relevant. Like I said, it's a lot of symbolism in this movie. It's very much a lot of symbolism. But I will never forget his line. Caesar, and I think he also said it in the first movie, but Caesar grabbed a stick. He said, apes, apes alone. He breaks the stri- breaks the stick not strong. Mm-hmm. He grabs about five to six sticks in his hand. He tries to break them. They don't break. He said apes together strong. So let's let's take that back over to some realism now. If we all band together as black people, do you realize how strong we are? Do you realize if we weren't divided, how much of this country would sit there and be indebted to us because we would make them feel our energy? I'm not saying no hostile takeover or anything like that, but I don't mean that don't promote violence or anything. Yeah, but no. do you know the power that black people hold that we just sat there and stopped going against one another and actually came together and worked? And oh stopped, my and, gosh. Yeah, and stop complaining over pettiness. Exactly. I I know I know everybody to see Black Panther. I know everyone want to go to Wakanda. We can actually have a Wakanda. That's the crazy thing. We could actually have something like that. Them some of the strongest black people I've ever seen in Black Panther. You go mm-hmm. down there, you you see those people having the time of their lives. We could have that. Even when Umbaku wanted to sit there and break off, he still came back at the end of the day and, and joined T'Challa for the final fight, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh-huh. and it was yeah, it's just a matter of mentality and mindset about what of of possessing over um what's the word I'm looking for possessions and stuff like that, like within our own little small communities, you know, these crips and bloods and all these gangs and stuff like that over pettiness and over, you know, over just the simplest of stuff because that's what they grew up in. You don't have to yeah. keep doing that. If you would just band together uh, and, and you, you know how much power we would have. I mean, you know, you talk about uh, whitewash and stuff, you know, I know it doesn't, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it doesn't matter if he was black or white, but, you know, you think they, they whitewashed the Bible. <laughs> so, yep. they really watched that one. They yeah, really watched that but, one. But I don't, I don't, I don't want to make it more so about black and white, and you know, you know who he really goodness. was. They, they color, watched but, that thing three times in the washing machine. Yeah, exactly. Because at the end of the day, it's not a matter of what his color was; it's about what he did. But they all, but they, they want you to have a stigmatism about what he was supposed to look like and it's not necessarily what y'all been seeing on them church fans every Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) But but they ain't ready for that one. I'll I'll name drop this. If y'all wanna if y'all want to see somebody that looks very familiar, just Google Caesar Borgia. Just just Google Uh that just Google that name and and you guys will be astonished at what you find out. You guys will sit there and look at him like oh my gosh. Was that, was that his real name? No, okay, keep on. But I guess that's a conversation for another day that people ain't ready for. That people aren't ready for. That's two sensitive topics colliding. I know one of our listeners uh, is gonna definitely know what you're talking about because I've heard that before. So I'm not gonna give you that <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Yeah, so you know that that's 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 one of those topics that is just you know, look if you're ready for it, but if you know, you know. If you don't know, then you don't know. Yeah, but um, that. you know, yeah. So, like I'm saying, you you can drop a lot of symbolism from the Planet of the Apes movie because it's essentially 
you know, a representation of what, you know, modern day black people have went through and continuously go through. We, you know, went through the point of being taken over in slavery. We were experimented on. We're still being experimented on to this day. Newsflash. I don't know if you guys know know this or not, but a lot of these missing kids, a lot of these missing women, a lot of these missing stuff that's going on. It's not just uh, sex trafficking going on out here, which is also very bad, but it's, it's also, you know, bigger things, bigger forces at hand than may be. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's a lot of experimentation that's still going on today. There's they're, iron... experimenting, they're experimenting on people with the vaccine. But... Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's, you know, even more, you know, when it comes to slavery, you know, just because slavery at, at this point isn't seen as a main commodity of this country, it's still going on to this day. You know, prison systems, you know, doing that, you know, the typical nine to five job working for basically pennies on the dollar to barely even survive. You know, I know people who sit there, work three jobs and still can't sit there and for food and rent at the end of the day to sit there and, you know, basically enjoy life. So, you know, yeah, that was it, four years ago, <laughs> that was you know, it's the, it's still modern day slavery going on. All they did was just yeah. go ahead and get a different title. It just got the title of job or prisoner. So, you know, like I said, th- these are things that honestly, if you if you were to sit there and look at somebody, say, for instance, you were beefing with one of your friends, you know, if black people were to band together. And put aside their beef and differences. You know, we we have so much ego and pride within us. That that's that's one of our biggest downfalls. You know, so much ego and pride can be such a toxic and very very deadly thing to us that we won't even really realize it that we're being that you know sadistic in a sense. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to sit there and you know if you have a beef with someone, okay, it's it's okay to be mad. It's okay to show your feelings and everything. But at the end of the day, you have to think about it within a bigger picture. You have to sit there. And continuously thinking a big picture, not just what's in it for you, but what's in it for your community, what's in it for your family, what's in it for your brother, your sister, what's in it for your neighbor down the street, what's in it for the you know the greater man beside you, you know what what is going to be the end goal and the end game? You can't just sit there and be so congested within what you got going on with you that you sit there and impede progress. Because honestly, as a as a culture and as a community, we can never sit there and progress forward because of the divisiveness within us today. Well, I, 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 I wanted to, I think, like you said, it's all about mindset. I think what's happened is that we have been so focused on surviving mm-hmm. that we forget to about the thriving part. We yeah. get so focused on Definitely. trying to survive each day and thinking about the trials and the things that we got to go through just to make it to the night or, or just to get through the whole day that we forget about the goals that we want to to have in our life and i've been and i'm a and i've been through that where you you were so focused on just trying to pay your bills you're so focused on trying to to make it and just trying to barely barely make it that we that we we sacrifice the things that we we want for the things Mm -hmm. that we need and you know before you know it years go by and you you know our our, you know our livelihood goes by and that's when greed kicks in and that's where we start thinking about things, you know, thinking about ourselves more and not necessarily with, you know, thinking about one another, we, you know, you know, survival mode. I, this is mine, not yours, you know, things yeah. I need to hand, hand, hand me out instead of, you know, the, you know, us working together. We're so, we're so of the mindset of surviving and, and getting ours and not necessarily getting everybody's, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, no, I know mm-hmm. exactly what you mean. It's like a, it's like it's a cutthroat attitude at the end of the day. Absolutely, you know, it's like a it's like a caged animal when you don't have anything else to you know, kind of work with you. You kind of you know work with what you got. You got to sit there and find a way to sit there and get out the cage. So mm-hmm. no, I get what you're saying. No, I mean you got to do what you got to do at the end of the day. So, yeah, but but it, but it's, it's just a matter. Of, we need to stop thinking so much 
in that aspect and start mm-hmm. thinking about the uh, of the goals. I think we've had this mindset for so long. Yeah. And it's been taught to us, and, and you know, it's and it's a it's a daily grind. It's it is something that we all have. A lot of us have to deal with every day. Uh, that you know, uh, our dreams are being, you know, have been shattered because of the situations we were brought up in and we were raised in. Uh, and, and you know, because of you know, like you said, we we're we're working three jobs a day just to just to not even enjoy life, but just to survive. And it's it is a sad thing that we can't even, you know, some people can't even think of outside of, you know, working at a McDonald's or just, you know, just or working, you know, working at other places and things of that nature. You can't even think of, you know, this is what I want to do. I want to go to school. I want to have things for my kids. I want my kids to do better and things of that nature. Now, it, we're all, it, it just, it's just a, uh, it's a messed up mentality that a lot of people are just raised in it. And they, a lot of people have no choice. Feel, yeah. like, feel like they have feel like they have no choice. I apologize for saying that because everybody at the end of the day can eventually make a choice if they if they get their mindset into the right format. So yeah. Yeah. Also I think it, it also comes down to really just knowing your worth too. Like mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, if you, if you know your worth and you kinda know, you know, what your value is and you know what you hold, you know, you know, your standards to, I think that's where a, a big thing comes in where if you know your worth and you kind of figure out, well, okay, then, you know, I don't, I don't need to, I don't need to be like this. I don't need to act like this. You know, I, I, I hold myself to a higher standard and I hold what I want to a higher standard. I think knowing your worth plays a big role too. Cause I feel like a lot of us get, you know, just caught up in that, you know, like, like we were talking about that nine to five, you know, just going through the motion, you know, just trying and don't to get me, yeah, and don't get me wrong. I don't want to downplay, you know some of these jobs because yeah, it is not it's know, not bad if you have those yeah, yeah exactly because some people are just grateful to have jobs because of the circumstances they you know they're giving second chances and I I don't ever want to downplay because I you know that was my first job working at fast I don't ever want to because you learn uh you know work work behaviors from jobs like that you and people are you know they're making it off of those and I don't want to I don't want to downplay those but I just want to say for those you know. Oh yeah, your your microphone had went out a little bit. Yeah, my 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 power went out of my house just now. It's a storm. Uh, my thankfully we got a generator, so uh, we'll just keep going. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm still here. So if you if I if I time out, it's because the power the power just clicked on and clicked back. Okay, I got you. Yeah, you're good. You're yeah, good. We, we can just edit that part out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, honestly, like I feel like you know, like you know, no no disrespect or no. Go downplaying the money thing, and it's good to have those jobs because at the end of the day, you know, we're we're still in a predicament where the system is working against us. So you know, we gotta do what we gotta do to kind of stay stay where we're at. But mm-hmm. also, when I say when I mean, you know, or what I say and what I mean to knowing your worth is it like you know, don't settle for less. You know, even though that's the situation that you're given, and even though that's the situation that you're making, make the most of that situation. But mm-hmm. also, you know, try to strive to be you know the best. Or do what you really want to do, because I feel like that when we when we kind of caught up in that situation, we're just trying to we're just trying to make it, and at the end of the day, we're just trying to have enough to sit there and come home at the end of the night, and you know, yeah, we, we get too comfortable, and we have to start getting uncomfortable with being with being comfortable. Comfortable, you know, exactly. like it's it's no point for us to be comfortable with struggling every month to sit there and make ends meet and barely have any you know money to sit there and go enjoy life, like. 
your life yes. shouldn't be dedicated to going to work every day and just trying to make money just to stay stay alive, just to sit there and you know pay for your house, pay for your apartment, pay for your car, pay for your food. And then that's your continuous cycle every month because then you're not even enjoying life. Exactly. And what I wanted to say to that, too, if I'm thinking about it, uh, and, I, and I want to, a lot of times we as adults, we think we don't have the time because we have now realized as adults, man, so much time has gone by. I can't go back and, and do the things that I wanted to do. And they're yeah. so afraid of making that jump into what their dreams are and their gifts. And they're because they feel like, well, I'm 30 something or I'm 40 something. No, there is still time. If you realize how much time you still have and yeah. started investing in the time that you and, and started investing in the time, the things that you uh, that you are gifted at and the things that you really want to do, uh, the less time you will stop thinking about, oh, I don't have enough time. I don't have this and I don't have that. We, we and, and just and a lot of times we have fear and and the unknown and fear if but a lot of times if we would just take that leap of faith and just and just do what we feel in our hearts that we were supposed to do and we're gifted in we would have so we would probably have so many more um owners and people in, in positions to where uh they should be at uh i've heard i you know you know from past and people just talk about their dreams and things of that nation like why do you why do you feel like you can't do it? It's because they said, well, I'm, I'm too old. No, there's never... Morgan Freeman didn't start acting until I believe he was in his 40s. Oh, for real? Yeah, he didn't start acting until he was in his 30s or 40s. I can't remember. Some of these guys... Mor- Morgan Freeman did up some movies Morgan, in them years. Mor- Mor- well, Morgan is in his 70s and 80s, so Morgan didn't start really at doing acting like that until he was in his, you know, to his 30s and 40s. You know, Samuel L. Jackson was on drugs, you know, in his 20s and 30s, you know, you know, throughout his 20s and stuff like that. It really wasn't well known as an actor until, you know, until his 30s and 40s and 50s. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like that's oh, that's like so, Robert Downey Jr. Because I think he was on drugs and he went to jail, too. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he was old. Yeah, yeah, well, he, I think, well, he just, I think he just was on drugs while he was acting, too. So <laughs> but, but, so, but when he got clean is when he took off. <laughs> so yeah, when he, when he got clean is when he took off. Oh, we're trying to. Oh, God. <laughs> we, I we, about to come we, over here and blast it with that repulsive cannon, man. No, no. What I'm saying is he was <laughs> before Iron Man, y'all. I'm not talking about that. Before, before, about twenty something, twenty years, twenty behind the 20, suit, <laughs> man. Rob. Right I love Robert Downey Jr. Hey, shout out Robert Downey Jr., man. We're we not coming at you, bro. Shout out to you. No, we're not coming. Your addiction. No. Yeah, exactly. But there are, so many, there are so many people who have overcome situations because they refuse to say, hey, this is refuse to quit or refuse to have their, you know, circumstances dictate their futures. Don't, you know, or, or seeing what they're, what is now is what, just because you're in a certain situation, that doesn't mean that's what it's always going to be. It don't. It don't. All. It's not going to always be. That's why I tell. I tell myself sometimes it's not going to always be like this. Like even in my own situations, now I'm just like, man. You know, there is. There is going to. There is a future beyond what I'm seeing right now, and it's a lot better than what I'm seeing. So if we would keep that mindset, we would be so much better. Uh, it's not. It's not going to be overnight. You gotta. You gotta create a grind for it. 
you gotta want it. God's not gonna bless you if you if you're not if um, faith without works is dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh I think uh I think guys his uh his audio went out because you know obviously the storm and everything. But to um to continue on what Tyrone was saying, um yeah, I, I lost you. I'm back. I'm back. Okay. Oh, you're good. I was about to just continue what you were saying. I just yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go, go ahead since you were back. Though. No, 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 no. I, I was about done with it. I was just saying, you know, how God's not gonna bless um, uh, dead works. Faith without works is dead. So that's all I was saying. Um, and then I was gonna let you go back. Yeah, I lost you for a quick second. We're back. Back. No, you're good. But um, nah, like, you know, one one thing, and I'm not even just speaking on, you know, you know, black and white or anything like that anymore. I'm just speaking on for the general population at this point. You know, when it comes to trying to achieve, you know, goals, dreams, aspirations, like, you know, my, my mindset is that, you know, I, I was one of those people that, you know, I'm not even one of those people. I am the, those people. You know, I always have big dreams and big ideas. Like, I always have an idea to start this and I always have an idea to do this and, you know, it wasn't until recently when I got my mindset right that I feel like that now I can actually achieve a lot of the things that I want to do. And it isn't because of the point of me actually doing stuff. Like, I can actually do it. But it all starts with your mentality at the end of the day. Like, if you want to sit there, you want to go ahead and be, you know, an astronaut. You want to go be a doctor, a lawyer, you know, whatever the case may be. You can actually do it. But it comes to when you can actually believe and not just saying you can do it. But when you believe you can do it in your mind, that's when it really starts to happen. Like, you know, I wanted to start a podcast. I knew nothing about a podcast. And now here I am talking on a podcast. You know, I wanted to sit there and, you know, go through school and, you know, get my degrees. And, you know, I, lo and behold, I'm, I'm almost at the finish line now. You know, just like, you know, someone who wants to sit there and, you know, be in the NBA, you know, by all means. I mean, that's a little different stipulation, you know. But, you know, if you've got the skill and everything and you're nice, you, you know, God's going to put you where you need to be. He, he going to put you where you need to be on his time. It's not going to always be on your time, but it's going to be on his time when you're ready for it, when he feels like you're ready for it. So it should be one of those things where, you know, just because of your age or however you feel that, you know, you, you can't accomplish anything. Because and a lot you know, of times, yeah. Yeah, uh, I was. I'm sorry, backtracking. I was going to just add to what you just said. And a lot of times, we are not giving certain things, and we're not, uh, we're not blessed with certain things because if we were given it too quickly, we would fold, and then we would waste more time trying to recover from that. Uh, yep. You know. So, 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 uh, it's like you said. It's all in timing, and there was a lot of things that I felt like I deserved ten years, almost ten years ago, and I, and I was, you know, I was. And God, why, why haven't I been on this? And I had to realize, you know, if I. Oh, you're breaking up a little bit, Tyrone. But it's all it's all good, though. I, I, I'll finish mm-hmm. up what you were saying just because you're breaking up. But um, mm-hmm. I think I think what Tyrone was carrying that train of thought um, while his um, his connection comes back was that, you know, if you, if you sit there and, you know, if you think about it in perspective of if you were to get everything you wanted and you were to get your blessings now, you wouldn't be ready for it because when you come to a point of where you receive something, when you're not ready for it, you won't be able to handle the pressure of containing that blessing. And ultimately you'll Mm -hmm. lose that blessing because you're going to lose your footing. But when you sit there and you go through your trials and tribulations and you go through reading the pages of your own book, when you're supposed to read those pages and not just skipping to the end of the book, that's what makes Mm -hmm. the journey and that's what makes that blessing that more worthwhile because then right. the stuff that you might not have been able to handle with that blessing, you may be able to handle because of the path you were reading beforehand. 
If you were to sit there right. and read one chapter of the book, you was reading chapter one, you skipped all the way to chapter nine, you didn't find out the climax of the book, and you sitting there like, oh my gosh, well, how did this happen? And you're feeling overwhelmed, so the feeling of, well, how did this happen? Where did I get this here? And ultimately, to the point of where you read chapter 10, you lost it all. You you weren't able to figure out on you know chapters one through eight on how to honestly keep it. Or what, mm-hmm. what was the process of even why you lost it? Right. So, hey, you, you know. Right. I was making sure you get Can you hear me? I'm good. Oh, yeah, I can hear you now. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, cool. Cool. But yeah, yeah, like you will get to the process of even why you should even have that blessing to begin with. You know, a lot of these blessings come from the journey. It's all about the journey. It's not about how you start by how you finish, but it's about the journey. Absolutely. Uh, which I think that a lot of people honestly don't focus on. A lot of people say it's not about how you start, it's about how you finish. That's very well a big part of it, yes. But mm-hmm. the journey, I think a lot of people too much emphasis on the end because it's the it's the end of a road, it's the end of a book, mm-hmm. it's the end of a story. But if you put more focus on the the body, the paragraphs in between the starting end, those pages in between the starting end, those chapters in between the starting end, that's the most important part because that's the one that shapes the end. Mm-hmm. And you and and enjoy the journey. I think we get so we get so uh, we get so caught up in the the things to get to it that we forget to sit back and actually think about oh where I am now, even though I'm not where I'm supposed to be, but I'm not where I used to be. And we we got to start, you know, in, in, in any autobiography and any celebrity that you see, and when they, when you see those autobiographies or something, they always have a story to tell and always have a trial that hey, that would knock them off or um, they overcame to get to where they're at. So it's not, don't, um, so everybody, you know, it's not all, you know, black and white, and everything is everything is nice out there, and you know, and people are doing the thing. They know they had to get, they had to fight for what they for what they wanted. So um, everybody's gonna have a story at the end of the day, um, for to the to the road to success. Everybody, you know, this 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 life doesn't um is not going to uh, discriminate against anybody on 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 trials and tribulations. And to stay there, a lot of times you go through. Just as much, so yeah. Mm-hmm. And just remember, mm-hmm. like honestly, if it was easy, mm-hmm. everyone would do it. Everyone would be where you want to be. Everyone would be where they wanted to be themselves. You know, I, as I heard Derrick Rose talk about the other day when he, you know, went off, you know, in his second playoff game for the next, you know, the he said the I think the four or five please, you know, proper preparation prevents poor performance. You know, the five P's. And, you know, honestly, like, if you want to, you know, be at a certain place in your life, if you want to do a certain thing, or if you want to accomplish a certain goal, and, like, you know, proper, you know, preparation, so prepare properly, prevents poor performance. So when you get to that moment, you, it's like, I don't know who, who's played a sport, you know, listening to this, but, you know, you practice at game speed, and when you come down to the game, the game's going to be so slowed down for you because you might have practiced harder than, you know, the game speed actually is. So, you know, it's one of those things where, honestly, if you really want to get to where you want to go, you know, you have to have the mindset and you have to sit there and prepare the right way. And it all starts with your mind at the end of the day. That's why I want to stress to everyone. It all starts with your mind. You can't go anywhere in life until your mind is right. Yeah. And I tell you, that's something I've told in the past. I told people, I said, God gives his strong, his toughest battles to his strongest soldiers. So don't, if you feel like you're weak and you feel like you're weak-minded now, it's there's behind there's a reason behind your battles. The guy's not gonna give you more than what you can't handle. So you got you're you're strong enough to handle whatever you're going through. Uh so yeah. Oh you keep going. I'm sorry. 
This thing turned, took a whole different turn, man. Let me give yeah. It took a way different turn. Yeah, but this is needed, though. I think I think our, our people need to hear uh, hear two two black men, two young black men, uh, telling telling encouraging because a lot of people are in these states of uh, of feeling stuck, and the, and the reason behind the uh, the Black Wall Street, they they even after they burned down, they overcame this. All right, so even through their through their through their struggles and through their uh their heartache afterwards they said okay they they burned it down okay let's rebuild it and make it even better so uh this coincides with what we're talking about not necessarily i mean not not only with what happened but the mentality behind those people in the 20s that they had and said you know what uh we're we're going you know they segregated us okay we're going to
someone had to fail and being a lawyer and then make that route as they went along to to be ultimately that lawyer. If you want to be a doctor, someone had to fail at learning how to do surgeries, at learning how to sit there and diagnose people for you to sit there and know how to diagnose people. So, oh my God, you you can you can only imagine how many stories I've heard of millionaires and millionaires who went bankrupt and had to start all over because of that. Uh, it's it's not it's not a, 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 a uncanny for people to deal with that stuff. It, you know, there's plenty of people that have dealt with financial distress who are doing just fine right now. So you know, people all around the um, the country who are you know who who had to start all over and start from scratch, and, and a lot of people who uh, a lot of the like our well-known owners and businessmen of the day tell you all the time you're gonna hear a lot more news and yeses. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. So you might as well learn to, and what I've come to learn, or what I've come to honestly accept, is that you know I, I welcome failure more so than fear now, because if I sat there and I was the fear of failure, then that's gonna lead to a lot of stress and anxiety. You know, I, you know, during the school year, you know, I used to, you know, fear failing tests and everything. And I used to fear the repercussions. When I stopped fearing it, I was just like, well, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, this isn't a test of my knowledge. It's just a test of what I can remember. And honestly, if I was to sit there and fail it, you know, yeah, I would fail the test. And ultimately, it might, you know, have a bad repercussion in my class. But at the end of the day, I tried my hardest and I gave my all. And, you know, it's no way for me possible to feel bad about the outcome if I gave him my all, if I prepared the proper way. So I was mm. to still fail that thing. And honestly, <laughs> I wouldn't even feel that bad about it because, you know, at the end of the day, that failure is just going to teach me to be better on the next go around. And you got to mm. just look at it from a calm mental perspective. And ultimately, Absolutely. you know, that, that, that better provokes you to do better on the test than the, the fear of failure does, you know, just being relaxed and calm about it. So mm. learning to accept that failure, honestly, can be a better catalyst than fear and a failure. Mm. Absolutely. This is a good conversation. <laughs> this is really good. I'm yeah, I, I don't know how we got to this from talking about uh, reparations and, uh, nah, uh, nah, you know, Robert Downey, nice. you know, smoking the back rocks. <laughs> <by the way. laughs> I don't know how we went from that talking about this, but uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Not even 360, yeah. 720. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it was needed. Like we said, uh, you know, uh, it's all about a mindset to get to get back to what they had back in the twenties of uh, their own their own ownership mindset and wanting it for their own. Uh, this it, it, that's what we need now, and uh, I think it will be better um, for that as well instead of this survival mentality of just you know okay they don't want us like you know let's do our own thing you know what I mean. And yeah. uh, we'll, and, and uh, <clears throat> not to say that we don't want to. I don't want to have a complete separation from black and white. I, I want us to be able to work together, but you also don't want to uh, be at the mercy of them either. If you if if, if you know what I mean, you want you if you have you want to have you want to have more ownership amongst black people too. and want that ownership mindset too. So, uh, so we can have more of us in, in those seats and not just white people. Because a lot of times we don't have those seats because of what we don't. Is uh, not only because of racial things, but also because we need to start thinking like that too. Have those ownership mindsets um, amongst the people that we have, because some people don't have that. So, and so the more people to start thinking that way, the more, uh, the more people we might have in those seats. You know what I mean? So, yes, sir. Definitely. Mm-hmm. 
Well, yeah. this is uh we're coming up on uh, the end of time here, so I guess I'll go ahead and uh, close out. You know, this has been another you know episode of uh, Without Boundaries, uh, episode two of season three. Uh, we're starting off on a pretty strong note. Um, you know, I love what we're doing here, and uh, yeah, you know, there's another banger here. Tyrone, any closing remarks for the people? No, I just want to say thanks everybody for listening so far, and uh, I really. I enjoy the conversations that you and I have, Dakari, and uh, they're going to, I believe, uh, with the remaining episodes of the season and beyond, I think it's not going to, it's, it's just going to get better. So these conversations are needed. And... Oh, Tyrone, you're, you're going out again. And start asking oh, now you're back. the right questions. Yeah, and start, yeah, start having the right, start answering the uh, right questions and, start opening their minds up to, you know, what what they want. I'm just happy that we're having these conversations, and I'm enjoying myself. Let's keep doing it. Keep doing it. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, if you guys have any feedback for us, uh, you know, like I said, follow us at Without Boundaries um, on, um, you know, Instagram. Um, just type in Without Boundaries. You'll, you'll see the page. Um, or follow us on Twitter at podcast underscore without um you know always uh leave a comment you know give us a follow shoot us a message if you have guys have uh you know any suggestions on some future topics that you want to hear or anything you know we you know we, we we talk about a very diverse you know range of topics on this podcast you know like i said it's it's this podcast is mainly about promoting uplifting the black community and it's about you know giving you know news to 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 each other and just letting each other know in a form of education and you know to talk freely amongst each other about what's going on in today's world and society. You know, if you want us to talk about anything, just shoot us a, you know, a message and let us know. Um, you know, and give because us a follow. Yeah, this is for y'all for at the end of the day. This is stuff we want to bring to y'all to help y'all, you know, know a little bit more about some topics and some things that's just going on around the world that you may have not known before, that your local news station may have not reported to you. So, um, yeah, just go ahead and, you know, and tell, tell friends and family and all that stuff about us, you know, yeah, that's about it. But uh, other than that, this has been another episode of Without Boundaries. Uh, and we're out. All right. Take it easy.